We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. Hello and welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast. I am joined this week by Mickey, Ben and Sai. Hello lads. What? Why the pause? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so surprising to see you here, Sai. Yeah, it's, been, it's been, what, a whole week since I was last here? <laughs> Two weeks. So I missed one. Two weeks and you don't have a season ticket anymore. <laughs> That's, we're, still, we're still not ready to talk about that. Hello lads. And Mike Queen oh. also joins us on Skype. Alright, chats. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Newcastle's horrific defeat, and it was that at Swansea, which me and Ben were uh, unfortunate enough to be present at. Oh, it's uh, stupid enough, not unfortunate enough. <laughs> well, size some of our supporter team. <laughs> we don't all go to housewarming parties every other day. <laughs> People and, uh, need the houses warmed. <laughs> and uh, then we've got a lot in the Premier League, specifically we'll be looking at the Chelsea-Man City game, Everton. Cracking game, by the way. Yeah, really Same good game, Chelsea. unlike Swansea-Newcastle. I think it was refreshing to see well, football going to come out of this, but it was refreshing to see a good game out of two of the top four. I've had that for a long time. Speaking yeah. of good games, Mickey's come back. He's aiming for redemption. Some of you on Twitter at TF Weekly Pod this week got in touch about Mickey's horror show last week. So <laughs> keep listening. He's put a lot, lot of effort into this one. Uh, we'll see how that that uh, goes on later on. Uh, I did but, offer to retire from making games. Well, as, as I said to you, Mickey, let's put it to the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> So if you hear Mickey's game this week and you think it's still shite, please get in touch and off will make me happier. <laughs> and That's a bit harsh. Uh, yeah, sorry, Mickey. Quite a sensitive bunch this week, aren't we? And um, yeah, obviously we've still got uh, the radio show on Friday. You can listen to the podcast of that for, uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes. And in addition, we also have Martin Hardy interview, which I did with uh, Mick Martin, True Faith editor. Thousands of you have listened to it because it's a class book. Martin's a great bloke, as is Michael. And so am I. <laughs> and, it's really, <laughs> and it's a really, really good interview about a, a fantastic period in the club's history. We may as well get started, lads. Ben, me and you were there. Yeah. What went wrong and why? Everything. It would be a lot quicker to just go through what went right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, so should we go through the positives? Okay, that's done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us what was wrong specifically with the team selection then. So I think we discussed in a lot of depth after it. Um, just the, the, I think you got the team and the formation wrong straight away. Um, the just that Swansea are a team that we said it. I think in the, the preview and we've said it for ages. They want to control the match. They sit with um, Shelby and Sigurdsson just control and play. Um, and the fact that we play two really deep sitting defensive midfielders in callback and Anita who aren't really good at that job. It just gave them all the time in the world to just get on the ball and dictate play. Peter particularly really struggled. Um, they they just kept putting Gomez on him, and he's 
literally twice the size of, <laughs> of Anita. So it was just a massive mismatch, and it just meant they they were easily holding the ball up, bringing all their players in, uh, into the game. I, th- I thought Montero and Ayu had decent games for them. Montero particularly. Um, I mean, we'll we'll go on to the Yamat. Um, you can clearly see the the performance putting against Ivanovic last week. They've thought Yamat's going to have to go in and kick him early and try and unsettle him. Um, all that. So you agree with Gary Monk? Well, all that. Well, no, I, I think, but it's a tactic to do, isn't it? Especially against sort of South Americans, they generally <laughs> kick, kick them out of games. I think, but um, it just no one know, else is going to comment on that. As much as I dislike Gary Monk, as far as I think ben, him and Ben are right. I think Yamad had gone out to kick him, and it was obvious because he did well, the, from the start. The, and he was the, a yard, two yards off his pace. But there's, there's nothing. It's a it's a good tactic. If no, you ri- enough, yeah. you rile someone up and get them sort of moaning and stuff, then you well, put them off work the game. A treat, thank well, that's that, <laughs> and that's that's what I mean. It like it completely backfired because I don't. To be fair, I don't think Yamat will have thought he would have got booked like yeah. that quickly. It was ridiculous. I mean, we said he was shooting for both, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. But I, I want to talk about Mike Jones later. But uh, yeah, for, well, for me, well, it wasn't we'll a red it. card. We'll, we'll leave it. And he like just wasn't. It was just a farce. But anyway, but yeah. So let's get back to team the, selection. The, the Yamat thing. But can, um, can I pick you up on something there, Ben? Yeah, when you're saying. Anita was on Gomez. I don't think that, you know, if, if Gomez was dropping deep, which he was, mm-hmm. that obviously meant Swansea had no one up front and we still couldn't handle it. So I don't think no, Anita but that's what I mean. so why, issue. No, 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 but why, so why aren't the defenders pushing out with him? Yeah. And Bembe so should have just man-marked him all game because he's well, about, the, right back, but yeah. about the same size. No, but I'm saying, you, well, yeah. Okay, First off. Off. But even then, it was just, it, it was a... a, a a weakness that they exploited time and time again and it gave them a foothold in the game because it meant they could put, play the ball up to the front and then they had time to get forward um, whereas we were hoying the ball forward and it was just coming back off CC every time he couldn't hold the ball up um, CC was just completely ineffectual he, he can't play up front on his own um, Mitrovic was a liability when he came on but at least he didn't hold the ball up he's a big lad he, he caused issues for them you could tell they panicked a bit when he came on. They I think started Swansea to dropped him. about five yards deeper as soon yeah. as he came on, and they, they they respected him, and and he just he gave us when he came on the, the crowd lifted a bit, and you could see the team even though we were down to ten men, two 0 down yeah. out of the game, that we actually looked like we were still fighting, um, and just it it got sort of other players like Aaron started to get in the game a little bit, um, but I just think it was a wasted opportunity. Wijnaldum was completely ineffectual because. He, he needs to play off off a striker who's going to hold it up, and he, he just couldn't get in the game. Obertan just again did very little. He had he probably was the only one who in the first fifteen minutes sort of offered anything from our, our point I've of view. Only shot, Good but <laughs> but it was it it still wasn't enough. I mean, he didn't help Haidar out again. It was a classic Obertan form, so wasn't it? that was it? That was his contribution in the whole <laughs> yeah. match. Just I just one, one yeah, I, I'm interested to hear what you've got to say a little bit more, but we'll just kind of. Mm-hmm. Talk amongst ourselves a bit about what Ben said, lads. Either of you disagree with anything he said so far? No, he's picked up on the two points. I would say is the exact same mayor we had with Anita last season when everyone was pretty convinced that he's just not good enough. Was having him in the same midfield as Jack Colback away from home, where you're not going to have much possession. You need to get the move the ball quickly, and you need to have someone who can win it. And between the two of them, it's like it's... having no midfield. You just get absolutely overrun. And against a team like Swansea who play with the ball, it was just. It was just the worst way to line up against them. And it's not just that they're in the same midfield, it's that they're in holding midfield. Yeah. And it's like, honest to God, they're just getting in the way. They're just get in the way of the defenders. No one's yeah. tracking anything. I mean, Colback, I'm a huge Jack Colback fan. I wish he played, you know, I'd play him as maybe not, he wouldn't get in the team, but I'd play as, if you're going to play 4 2 3 1, I'd play him as one of the three. Yeah. I think he's excellent in the opposition part of the pitch, but Shelby has managed to get the ball totally unmarked. He's absolutely callbacks the nearest man to him and thread a ball through, which, yes, Yamat played on one side and the, the defence were caught a bit square. It was a good ball, but, but still... But, you know, you're playing defensive midfield away from home, Jack. You're going to have to start actually making a tackle. <laughs> I think, as well, callback is just not an athlete, so he can't... He, he can't... It just doesn't have the, the physical attributes to cover all the ground he needs to. And it's not his fault that he's been put in that position. And it's, it's easy, as well. What Swansea did a lot, especially... I mean, they don't play a lot of long balls, but... Like you say, Gomez was was dropping deep. They were hit, hitting a couple of balls, maybe a couple of chips and lobs over the top, and he wasn't jostling with centre backs for the balls. No. He was able against Nita or Colback to just chest it down and run with the ball. Ben, so you were talking about Cisse there. I mean, do you, do you blame McLaren for starting Cisse, or do you, do you do you think it should have gone another way? And how we, how do you see it uh, for the future? It's easy to say in hindsight that he, it didn't work. I mean, at the end of the day, he's scored what two in his last two. 
I think two goals in each of his last two away games is that something or he's Done. he scored Swansea, two yeah. last week or at Swansea he, yeah, right. yeah sorry away I meant for, against Swansea um, so he's obviously probably thinking oh this is a he's a bit of a bogey player for Swansea he, he, he could do a bit of damage but it just didn't work and the, the team were put out he's he's just he was bossed by uh, Ashley Williams he just manhandled handled him all day um, and to be honest as well I a lot of it's got. It's not just all CSA's fault. The service he was getting was absolutely diabolical. Just nobody really giving him anything that he could do anything with. He's he's not the fastest of players, so he's not going to run away from anyone. I think you can just upgrade that and just say slow. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it just he didn't really. He was playing feeding off scraps, but at the same time, you've even when you're getting scraps, you've got to be big enough and strong enough to at least try and impose yourself on the game. And he just he couldn't. Mickey, you were unhappy to see CSA taken off. I was. I, I think it's it's such a negative, negative move so early in your career as manager to take off a striker and not bring another one on. I, we were 2-0 down away. The game was gone, realistically. We were never getting back into it. We didn't look like getting back into it. We are second best to every ball. But, like, you've just got to think. People have paid money to go all the way to watch that. Like, don't just... Idiots. He just, threw in the, he just threw in the towel, didn't he? He, just, he didn't want to concede any more goals, and for me, that's not acceptable for any Castle manager. Do you think... I mean, so me and Ben were there, and obviously second half when you... But as soon as... I, I wanted to see another at half-time, because as Ben said, he's just a waste of space when he's not inside the box. Just a total waste of space. And the amount of times he, give, he gives the ball away when it's, like Ben says, it's thrown up to him, and yes, it's hard to control, but he'll try a one-time flick. You've got to give the, the, the lads defending a bit of a break. And win a free kick. How about that? So you say how about holding the ball up and winning a free kick? It's easy to do. The referee will give you one, especially a shite ref like Mike Jones. But uh, when it when it, when they took him off and we realised playing the striker, it wasn't. So we went there and we paid a lot of money to go and stuff. Just a bit bit one shout out as well. I forgot to mention this. Well played to the dickhead who uh, sought me out on Twitter for a ticket, arranged to meet me before the game, and then didn't buy it. Didn't turn up or answer, answer his phone. I could have sold it to 15 other lads who wanted tickets and you decided to do that, you prick. But anyway, <laughs> moving on, you know who we are. Um, yeah, like, I just put, I wasn't that good. It wasn't like anyone in the way end were kind of were just like, we could get done six or seven here. It was that Swansea with that dominance. So I, I know what you're saying when you say people have spent money. Not everyone agreed with, with me and Ben. I don't know what Ben thought, but I wasn't that like. With that asked, it was clear like keep it at one or two nil. I think at the time it was like keep it at two nil, probably till the last ten or fifteen, and we'll have a more of a go, which is probably what he tried to do. And what goal difference has been so bad the last three seasons? The goal difference has been pathetic. At least he's trying to think. Wait, well, <laughs> we don't want to take with, a five or six nil. Yeah, there, exactly. Which with could have with Manu easily. and Arsenal, come see. I understand where you come from, again. I'm not saying disagree, but I can also see what he was doing. No, I get, I get the point. Uh, just to clarify, I wasn't upset at all that CSA came off because I thought he was a joke. Oh, um, but, yeah. And he, he just obviously, as I mean, as Ben went, talked about last week in more detail, he can't play up front on his own. He's not that kind of player. And the times when he's been good at Swansea away, playing up front on his own, he hasn't been. It's been as a three, as a very attacking three with them, Abar and, and Ben Arthur, when they've just been playing up front, <laughs> but at the side. <laughs> not with Obertan and, and Sissoko, who... <laughs> who don't um, defend but they also aren't really strikers I thought Sissoko was abysmal again he, he, just, well. he just looked like the Sissoko that I've been kicking off about for years <laughs> to a T uh, whoever it was that called me on it last week and said that Sissoko was good he was as bad if not he was as bad this week as he was good last week he, he was a joke he, did, yeah. he, did, he didn't he was, want to do anything he was exactly what he was towards the end of last season where he was our only outlet and other teams oh, know that listen, so, no yeah. it's not so the, that's, the not, stick two that's or three not why I was annoyed about him last, against Swansea he wasn't trying he wasn't trying to make any passes he wasn't trying to beat his man he was just like kicking the ball but he just, just having wayward shots from like 35 yards because absolute... he couldn't be asked to do anything else Yeah, I know I, what you're saying he, it, he wasn't he is great not, he's not fit to wear the shirt if that's the kind of performance he's going to I'm just going to let it totally disagree with you. Like, Mickey, it, it's it, size spot on. Swansea, like Southampton, but Swansea just realised that we're right side is really strong and they just put all the men there. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and, and just and let Haidara yeah, and Overtime have the ball. They, they leave so much space on the left. Yeah, it's just like, it's just when you say Sissoko, it wasn't passing. He didn't really give the ball away that much. He, he, yeah, he was ineffectual and he wasn't in the game. But I think it's just so easy to say, oh, he doesn't try. It's really hard when you can't get the ball because there's there's no space to receive it. 
like Yamat didn't want to get forward. Yeah, Yamat didn't get forward. Montero was there, torn apart. I, I think it's yeah, Sissoko was it was much more of a tactical thing, and this is this is always going to be the issue when he plays in the right of midfield, especially when the left side is so weak. And it used to be the other way around. Joey Barton basically eulogised by a lot of Newcastle fans. I'll stop short of what I was going to say, but. It, I'm not having Joey Barton as any kind of... He was mediocre. In fact, he was shit for Newcastle. He was here four years. He played about 70 games or something. Yeah. He was a farce. But that season where him and Carroll and Nolan had that bit of a partnership, he got loads of room because the the team was so... The opposition was so worried about Enrique and Jonas on the left. The left massive gaps on the right. And it's just... When you say he's not fit to wear the shirt well, it after... Danny, it was Danny Simpson and Joey Barton, yeah. wasn't it? What, <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> So I just maybe I have to disagree, but you know, let's move on. I, I was just going to say another point I just want to raise as well. Like I said it to you. Look at that uh, earring. Mario Balotelli were watching uh, Monday Night Football. It's a woman's earring, <laughs> long dangling earring. Ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, another point I just want to. The last point I want to say about McLaren. I just I don't know if it was intentional, but um, I said it. The, the players looked very negative in terms of. Whenever we the back four had the ball, so we've started playing out with this the two centre backs splitting and, and the ball going out to one of them. There were, nobody was showing for the ball really, and if they were, they were facing back of the goal, which meant we had no chance of like getting any progress. And like like we did a bit uh, last year, um, last week, you, the ball goes forward, and then if we do manage to win it somehow by some miracle, so you say get a lucky flick or something, the ball's back at the back four within two or three passes. You're just not gonna get anywhere playing like that, and yeah. I know I know it works when you, you're playing a possession game, but you don't need to be going back to Krull every two minutes. Who can't kick a ball? No, there was one his where kicking, he, his kicking was there shocking. was one where he got one where it, it wasn't really under pressure. Colicin just rolled it back to him without looking. He just did a crap like half slice down the middle of the pitch to Charlotte Shelby, and they were basically in three on three, and it, it's just like you, you're not gonna do so anything it's like setting your team out like that. Um, Yamat constantly every time he was getting width but then he was looking back at the defender so he basically couldn't see what was behind him and he it just you're not going to get any sort of forward progress playing like that Mickey, you need to be more attacking Miggy Steve McLaren after the match said he learned absolutely nothing from that game while the team and he was really disappointed uh, are you ple- are you pleased that with that assessment from him or are you really worried that We've, we've just capitulated to what what are, what is like a mid Premier League table team. The Swansea are a good team with good players. They're they've, in, they've, they've started well. They well. finished eighth last season. They're probably going to finish eighth this season, if oh. that. Um, Liverpool have just scored. Sorry to anyone who's you know recording the match. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think like I don't think we need to overreact. I, I'm disappointed with the fact that Cisse got subbed off for no striker. I think that's a bit of a statement of intent. But I might be wrong. It's, it's, to it's be, only a to second be fair, game. Give, given the, the circumstances that it was under, we're like, getting we're getting battered. Yeah. There's no two yeah. ways about it. I'd say that, along with the, the the lineup, not changing the lineup, even though it's an away game, but a totally different you know scenario. The stick and CC up front, even though it looks totally wrong, but he's just good. Oh well, he's, he's Newcastle's top scorer over the last few years. I'll just we'll just go with what with, with a safe bet. There's no kind of. I'm going to put my mark on this team. I'm going to try something a bit different. It was the same formation that, that, that we've been. Like I said earlier, so that uh, that team selection, tactical setup, and performance, he could have had John Carver in charge yeah, of that. It was exactly yeah. the same as I seen. And I, you know, it's his only second game. We're not going to get in his back, but I hope he finds a bit more confidence to to, to do something himself. Well, well Simon, my, my like, next question for you was one of my next questions. Um, if you if you take both games. Don't just don't just look at one. Obviously, one point now at six probably should have beat Southampton, but we could have lost it. Give you know, give me the things that impress and disappoint you about McLaren so far. And moving on to Manchester United, how do you think you'll play it? Well, obviously you'll have to change Jan Mat. That'll be forced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'll change formation? That, isn't it, huh? think? Do you think you'll change no, the formation? No, I think I think he's. He's just trying to get through these first five games, isn't he? He's just going to stick with the formation that the team know. He's got a couple of players he's trying to... <laughs> do they? Well... <laughs> They've never played like they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to assess both games. You would have taken a point out of the two, I think, to, to begin with. You know, first games, first manager. Um, equally, after, I don't know, it's, it's it's hard to be optimistic after such a, such a deja vu of a bad result. Like You can't see us really getting anything out of Man U. I... Um, 
it was a good way to phrase it, I deja vu. That's what that's what it was. Yeah. It was like a flashback to the bad points of last season. Yeah. If Man U are there for the taking, they've been shite for two games. If we go out there with some intent, stick two strikers in the team. I don't know. Get, get Perez back in there with someone else. Cece will be fine with someone like that near him. But he won't do that. I can't see. I think he's a little bit too scared to get off to such a bad start that it's going to be much harder to recover from. A couple of um, you know, defeats by a goal here or there, you can then think, right, well, that, well, the season starts now, which is what he's trying to do. It's almost like he's written off some games. That would be very... If that's true, that's incredibly worrying for me that he's writing off Premier League games as, a, as Newcastle yeah. manager. I'm not, not quite sure I can agree with you there. But si, let's talk about Haidara and Obertan and I suppose Colaccini as well, which make up the, the left third of the team. Yeah. Just on, that, on, the, on the Man United game, and changing the formation, I think the formation we played against Swansea and Southampton is is way better suited to playing against Man United than it, than yeah, either of those two teams. Mm-hmm. Man United aren't a possession team anymore; they're not they're no. not good enough to well, do they're, it. They're, they're the same type of possession team as we are in that a lot of the balls go back to the keeper, so they yeah. don't really go anywhere. Yeah. Like us, the ball goes up to Rooney, and within three passes, it's back at Romero's feet. So I mean, I, I agree with Si. I'd love to see uh, two strikers on the pitch against Man United, but it's not going to happen. Like ever, it's never going to happen. And I wouldn't that, be disappointed. I'm not that fussed about two strikers. What I what I'd like to see is, I mean, I said to Ben on the way back from Swansea, if I was manager, I'd probably I'd probably play three centre backs because we've got no right back. We literally don't have a right back to play. He's going to have to play in Bemba there, who did well, but apparently he said he's never played right back in his entire football career. <laughs> I don't know until, until Steve, uh, Old Trafford's the sort of place where Stephen Taylor will have his one epic game a season. <laughs> yeah. Stephen I'll, Taylor's going to go. If Sissoko is fit, right, this is what I do. I play. Hydara left wing back, which he's probably better at, less pressure, but with another centre back. So Soko right wing back, because he's got the engine to get back and up and down, and that 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 still gives you like either a three and a two, um, or a four and a one. Get Aaron's in, like teams like Swansea and Man United. Look at Ashley Williams and Swansea's defender, especially when we're having a strike, we're able to push up so high, basically playing in our half the whole time. The hate running back towards their own goal. Get some if you're going to play over time. Get some balls in between the centre backs and the keeper. I'm going to try that once on Saturday, and probably because over time was just wandering around aimlessly. Like, <laughs> but get some balls so that they've actually got to make some decisions. Make you know, put some pressure. in. the same with Manu. Get Aaron's on. And who's the right back for Manu these days? Damian. Yeah. See the right back. Let's test them out. Let's see how he fancies Aaron's and Hydara. So bring us back to you, side. Is that a change you'd make in the left side and Colo as well are getting absolute pelters at the moment? Is it just a short-term issue or do you, do you think changes have to be made for the next game? I, I, I like Haidara. I think he will make it as a player. He's got some ability but he's had a stinking start of the season and he's getting no protection both from how much pressure he's under already having had a bad start and from the fact that he's sitting with overtime in front of him. It's uh-huh. making him look even worse but this is where the squad comes becomes an issue. You've, we've got no choice. He's going to have to keep playing them. And how do you, how do you like turn that around for for such a young player who's who's having a bit of a shocker? He needs he needs some protection. So yeah, you you put someone like Aaron's in front of him who will work his socks off because he's still trying to make his way into the game as well. Obertan's not not that sort of player. He's not going to sort of bust a gut to to a get back or b to like to prove a point about himself. He's kind of like. If he's playing, he's playing. He doesn't look that arsed. If he's not, he's not. He, he should arsed. be as well, shouldn't he? Yeah. If if he put in like if he was grafting in the same manner as Gufran did when he first signed for us, everyone would love Overton. Yeah. Because remember yeah. how much everyone loved Gufran, and that, look at us now, how much we hate him. But <laughs> honestly, when he first signed, his first sort of half season, everyone absolutely loved Gufran because he worked hard. Yeah. And if Overton did the same, people would think the same, and he'd be better because he actually is is. Fast. He, obviously, yeah. he, he's, he's obviously not able to defend. He can't tackle. He can't do anything. But positionally, if, if, yeah. if you at least worse than that, that position. Exactly. Even if you know that, just just get near a man. Just, just yeah, be, yeah, be just a presence. But he um, doesn't do that. And it's, I made the point on the way back from something to Dodsey that like when when you you don't have ability, you've got to make up for that lack of ability with effort. And we just haven't got that in the team. It's as if they're almost arrogant. Uh, that arrogant that they think they're better than they are, and yeah. they think they can just yeah. drift around the pitch and and. Just handle things, but well, you, over time has you, you that look at more than most. Yeah, yeah, but you look at sort of all the teams that have come up and done well over the years. It's because they they come in and they they work their socks off, and we just we just haven't got that in the locker for whatever reason. Um, I think McLaren's trying to change that by the, the sort of the pressing game. Um, we saw a lot more in the Swansea, we, we, uh, sorry, in the Southampton game. 
didn't really see it in the the, the game this week, no. just because I think we were set up so wrong, and they were they were happy to sort of sit deep and just pick one off. Um, well, they were just pinging the ball around and just knackering what else. Yeah, we, we couldn't press, keep pressing in that. I mean, that we, we, to be honest, I wouldn't have played Ronaldo in that game either. No. He, he's playing in a luxury position ten. We were never going to get him into the game much anyway. You would have been, as you said, much rather you would have been much better playing a three and having Callback and Nita, and maybe he's even moving Sissoko inside yeah. and putting a Perez or an Aaron's out wide or something, or even playing Perez or someone with a bit of pace up, up, in the number closer, ten. Yeah, who could, someone closer. If, if by the grace of God, Cisse did win a header, yeah. would actually run <laughs> past the back four. Yeah. Instead, yeah, Cisse and everyone's heading it, and it's going backwards. Pack the word, came. We've not had a striker running, off, someone running off a striker, winning the ball in the air for years, for years and years. <laughs> Probably Kevin Nolan. <laughs> oh, Carol. No, he wasn't running past the striker. <laughs> he was standing back. where he was, and Carol yeah. was finding so him with the header. So those balls that had bounced off the back of Cece's head backwards would have come to Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I just yeah. want to have my say on the young man sending off and the refereeing performance of Mike Judge. You've let Colacini off there. I wanted to, to say that. I think he's been, he's been really poor, really, really poor, and it's starting to worry me that he's looking past his best. Um, he was, I mean, we watched the highlights just before we started recording. There, he's, he's the, the two the two goals are conceded. He's just not even there. He's not even with his man. He just sort of half heartedly jumps up for the header. Is is just he just looks goes, a sort of a yard off off it, yeah. doesn't he? Almost. And I'm sure Dodgy will say he's not had a preseason, but that's not. But he hasn't. But that's not an excuse. If, if he's not fit to play yet, he shouldn't be playing. I give you the words of <laughs> the excellent Joey Barton, um, who said that. When you know when he had that good, uh, whatever season at Newcastle, yeah. he said the reason he that was probably the best football he played in his career. He said, and it was because it was the only time in this whole period at Newcastle he had a full preseason. And he says it, he just Barton just said so important as a professional to get a good preseason. Otherwise, you're just playing catch up. You just you can never get that fitness level, especially for Colacini, who's practically going to have to play every game. Yeah. So I'll, I'll agree to disagree. What worries me, though, and I said this in the True Faith match report, which I did, which is on True Faith now, um, three players. If you talk about Newcastle's team as someone who doesn't know football, speak to a, like a Liverpool fan or someone who doesn't really know much about Newcastle, who are your best players? Who, who are your players which are like really good? Right, Krull should be excellent. You're guaranteed start. Jan Matt should be excellent, and he's doing stupid things like this. Colaccini, supposed to be one of our best players, or Captain highest played player. And they're all shit at the moment. Yamal was shite. Besides the bookings, mm. he gave the he ball away constantly. He was he he um he played the first goal on side, like and it is those three players. What's what's the thing in common about all those th- three players? None of them are in any danger ever of getting dropped. Yeah. Ever. It's not. It's not even like fair enough. You'd say Mbemba wouldn't get dropped, but if he had a bad four or five games, chances Stephen Taylor or Paul Dummett might take his place you could say like the rest of the team maybe even Sissoko's as well probably wouldn't get dropped very few other Premier League clubs like us I mean I don't know that much about other Premier League clubs but look at Walcott I mean it's Arsenal so they've got a lot more options but you know Walcott's one of the I think he's the highest paid player Walcott with this new contract didn't get on Saturday Walcott is Arsenal's highest paid player he's just signed a new deal yeah Oh, the one shooting for giving them that. As a, as a, as a oh, well, hang on, hang on. It might be Sanchez, but I just know he's one. He's like up. He's just signed a massive deal. I think yeah. he's on like nearly two hundred grand a week. Yeah, exactly. He's second choice right winger, which is well, he's, that's madness. He, this apparently the signer was a striker, but anyway. Yeah. But this so, so, is the, uh, like the back to the Arsenal podcast. That's what what's wrong with Wenger. That's absolutely farcical. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll bring it back to Newcastle though. All these players who are really like it's not like Colaccini, Krull or Yamat or even Soka they don't have the technical ability they do they've got the hard bit it's the fact that there's just no way they're going to have as many stinkers as they want realistically and they're just that was disgraceful from Henderson dive <laughs> but um, it, it's I don't know I just feel like we're, we're once again in the same situation where there's no real competition for places and if you look at uh, Aaron's last season who was excellent and Aaron's this season you think he's only going to benefit you put Rolando Aaron's in the team now and said by the way you're you're playing every game he probably wouldn't be as good as if every time he plays, he's earning his place for the next yeah. game. But just quickly on... Um, That's why we need to sign another centre-half. Even even if you disregard the fact that Colaccini is looking way past it, he, he, he needs someone pushing him for his, yeah, absolutely. To, to try harder. Absolutely. Back to Mike Jones. Mike Jones is the man that um, disallowed Czech Teotihuacan's goal in the start of 2013 against Man City. You have to scream. We probably could have gone on to win that game. We'll, we'll 
probably Pardew's last decent game at home last season, that season, when he went on to get banned for headbutting um, the whole <laughs> lads. Um, it's very dark in here, Ben. Any, any chance for a couple of lights? Sure, man. Um, so essentially, he went out of his way to disallow a goal. You know, none of the Man City players really appealed. The linesman didn't give anything. None of Newcastle's players even looked at the linesman, did anything. Pardew was off celebrating. We were going mental in the stands. All was well. Not, not with Mike Jones. Mike Jones was thinking, hang on. Let's just make sure this is well, a goal. Why would you even go and talk to the linesman who didn't give it? And presumably he's gone and spoke, spoken to the linesman. Did you say anything wrong there? Nah. Well, I think, was that Gufran? Was he starting an offside position? Well, yeah, it's just obviously the, the, like, it was nowhere near the keeper, so it doesn't matter. I think you need to give that as offside. So this is a bloke who, on live television, being around the world, decided to actively look for a reason to dislike a goal. I've never seen the like. I've never seen it from another referee. I don't know if whether any of you lads have. <laughs> a referee has seen a goal scored and has thought to himself, despite the assistant being in a much better position, right, no, I think I'm going to disallow that goal. Massive thing in a game, a goal against pro- Man City. Pro- probably seen it like Columbia or somewhere, where yeah. it's clearly like a lot of money riding on it. <laughs> Andy's life, most likely. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> No one here is accusing Mike Jones of taking any bribes if anyone's listened from the Premier League purely and simply because his performance is that bad, I don't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But Mike, like, it, what, like, so, so Mike Jones on, on Saturday, uh, there's a couple of other high-profile incidents this weekend. You had Francis Coquelin, uh, Definitely y- Yaya Toure. I don't think... I think that, Fernandinho like, as well. Yeah, Fernandinho. And actually David Silva as well. All on Bukens all committed worse fouls than that second one. For Jan Matt. Yeah. I've seen Jan Matt for the first time. I saw it live, obviously, at the game. I've seen a replay. Jan Matt is an idiot. What is he playing at? Given the Mike Jones the perfect opportunity to make it all about him, sending the player off for 41 minutes. Look at both Jan Matt's challenges. The first one's late, and it's not great, but it's just a late tackle. that happen in a game of football. If a player's faster than you, chances are he's going to nip it away before you arrive. Yeah, I'm not, it, was a, it wasn't great. Don't get us wrong. I can see why he's booting. I think he has to boot him, but fine. In my opinion, the first one is a, is a yellow card, and it's fine. I'm not I'm not criticizing too much for that. I think that you, you see them not given, but it's you fine. Do. Yeah. The second one, he's he's just he's had a little tug of his shirt. He's not threatening the Newcastle goal, and he's not even in the Newcastle he's half. Like ten yards outside of his own box. Or yeah. There's there's absolutely no need to send them off there from a Mike Jones, especially when he hasn't given him a warning yeah. since that. You have you have a word with them. You say one more and you're off. You you talk to him, and I just think to send them off to ruin the game like that. He didn't have to send them off there. Swansea, Swansea wouldn't have gone mental if he'd stopped on. They wouldn't have thought, Jesus Christ, he should have been sent off. And if you look at the common sense approach with Toure and with Coquelin, both the managers subbed them off straight away and the game remained 11 v 11, like it should do. For us, the paying public, listen, if players deserve to be sent off, it's only right that they should be sent off. Stuff like handballs, you know, last men taking them off, horrific, dangerous tackles. They're all reasons to reduce the game to make it not an even contest to make the game not an even contest because of those two fouls for me it was just systematic of a bloke who was, shouldn't be refereeing the Premier League in my opinion especially in the context that about well are you like specifically are made you two or three tackles in attacking positions outside on the edge of their box got away with like I think it was three two or three well, times two, without two main ones First half, I think, when we were 1-0 down, it was Obertan was, was kind of running at the edge of the box. Are you slid from behind, didn't get the ball, didn't get booked. That was a boogan. Sliding tackle from behind. No, didn't get a boogan. Right at the start of the second half, when it was 1-0 still, obviously, because Are you scored the second. Um, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Cissé. Someone did him in the corner and got past, and he just hauled him down. And he got given a yellow card, but he should have been off. There were, both of them were worse than either of Jan Matt's. It just snapped and fast, and then he scored. Then he scored. I think there was another one after that, and there was some. Other, there was some other tackles they put in, which you would say were paramount, or at least like the same, or at least worse than Yamat's ones. And they just he just gave them a talking to, like he, he literally <laughs> did his best to to make that game one sided, and he managed. Yeah, well done, Mike Jones. We hate you, Ben. Did you did you take anything from the Swansea experience? Did you enjoy the game, the city? <laughs> Not the nah, game, obviously. Nothing, the game. I don't. I, I thought the ground was really small, yeah. like much smaller than you think it is. Until another, it's like tiny another ground. ground, another ground with a stupid drummer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> rubbish. Drummer. rubbish. Yeah. never stops. Never rubbish. stops. They also booed game, Mitrovic maybe. onto the pitch. Yeah, a bit Bo- booed him like very right? strange. Yeah. Exactly, probably because they're small time. 
Um, it was just like it was like the pantomime villain sort of thing. Like, yeah, boo! I've like, got the honest. I read like, it, it, it was some bloke. It did the job. That did yeah, it did. But what happened? Because I've not seen a replay. Did he do anything wrong? Yeah, it was an awful title. It was an awful. But he awful got a foul. He got he got a free. He kick. got fouled for the we had for a free the first kick. for the first mm-hmm. one where he got he um got pooped. He Dodgy thought he got stamped on. He stamped on the guy. Sorry, because the guy looked like he went to ground. Like just took him out and then he got up and. It looked, to, it looked to me like Mitrovich went into him. Really? I, I'm a bit worried that he seems to be an absolute maniac. Yeah. <laughs> like, within within 60 seconds of being on the pitch, both games, he's done something which I think mm. is totally unacceptable. Really stupid. Like, and just unnecessary. But at the same time, I think the ref like had a word with him on a numerous occasions after that where he was getting fouled. Yeah. And I don't know why he was getting talked to. Have a word with the bloody Swansea lad that's like, yanking him down, kicking him or whatever. But they're, they're we'll just have, we'll again, have to move on. Rubbish. Si, uh, have I got any chance at Man U? Yeah, but oh. just because they're bad. <laughs> Mickey, you know what? Yeah, I think I think we'll get a it's point. An, it's an easier game than Swansea, Man U. I agree with that. At this time, at this time, because the way Swansea have started, they're full of confidence. That Montero, they should, by have, the way. they should have beaten Chelsea, and then they've just had a great. I mean, obviously, just killed us when we we didn't turn up. So. Tomorrow against Bruce at home though. Still. Montero looks like a player, doesn't he? <sighs> yeah, he does. Uh, no, he does he's tricky. He's he's a tricky looks player. like a good player. I'm not having him the, the success he's had so far is because you know if like for example Sterling and, and, and people like that where he just gets crowded out. Mm-hmm. So far Montero's been left one on one with the fullback yeah, numerous, even we managed it on numerous occasions but because that's because Anita and Kovac are such a fast and defensive midfield to be fair and Bember handled them reasonably oh well. yeah I mean I don't think he did at all he just stood, he just stood no, he tapped the rest did you see highlights yeah like there was numerous times he was left one on one with them the, yeah, the, reason, really they didn't make, the reason they did make the highlights was yeah, because he did he not tackled them. oh no I watched the game as well sorry did you right so he, he put four or five cracking tackles in on them like when he was left again to fix them one on one Obviously, the goal wasn't great. Bemba did better against him than Yamat. Oh, that's yeah, something. without question. <laughs> We're going to have to move on. We've got the Premier League chat coming up after Dogger's game. Mike is going to talk us through Man City, Chelsea, and what it means for the rest of the season, if anything. But first of all, it's the much-loved Dogger's game, lads. So, as always, who am I? Here are some clues about a formerly class United player. This was a this start killed me. I had no idea about this, by the way. I was born on the 20th of December 1978, aged 30. What? Sorry. You were born. <laughs> <laughs> At 30 years of age, I was born on this date. <laughs> I was born on the 20th of December 1978, so I'm aged 36. Is that such a big stretch? No, it's the fact that you tried to say that he, he was born on this day when he was 30. Moving on. Anyway, so that, that means he was, only, he was actually 29 when he signed for Newcastle. He played for Newcastle between 2007 and 2010. Um, Is it Kevin Nolan? It's not Kevin Nolan. Um, I played for Real Madrid. Love and Kranz? Well, Love and Kranz played for Real Madrid. Uh, Michael Owen? No. My father <laughs> was an international who was nicknamed Poison Arrow. <laughs> Has powerful shots. Chef Kikuchi. No. No, no. <laughs> for Real Madrid. The, go- the, the player go- played for Real Madrid. Yeah. The go- oh. the government. Oh, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Uh. You just you did well played, Sai. You've just done it before the best clue. The government, due to my father's status as an international footballer, allowed him to take five wives. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy is therefore one of seventeen siblings. Flip and heck. That's class. That isn't it. He was only twenty nine when he played for Newcastle. Yeah, that's incredible. He's only 36 now. He's played something like 14 he games after so he left Newcastle. He's so old for us. Like, 29. Weird. Well, tw- uh, you know. Yeah. 29. 29 yeah. You've got to ask yourself a question. That means he was at um, Middlesbrough when he was like 22. <laughs> As if he was there's 22. Just, just no no one ever called him a young, upcoming player, did they, at Middlesbrough? It was no way he's 36 now. He's at least 50. Um, <laughs> that was Dogger's game. Uh, moving on. Mike, talk to us about Man City Chelsea, please. 
Well, it was uh, it was great, wasn't it? I think Mickey touched on it earlier. There was actually one of the big games of the weekend actually did, delivered a bit of excitement, and largely because Chelsea couldn't play or well, couldn't get to the levels that they usually play in one of those big away games. Um, I hold my hands up. I've been quite surprised by the style um, that City have started with. They, they really look like a team that's got something to prove. Um, you look the way they just went up. Chelsea straight away, first minute Aguero should have scored. I mean, Begovic made three or four great saves in that first half um, to, to, to keep it respectable, even at 3-0. But you, but you look at the team, especially company, I think. Um, if you look the way he celebrated that first goal against West Brom last weekend, um, it, last Monday night, when 3-0 up, third goal, company went absolutely nuts celebrating it. And just the whole team, that they, they look like they've really got a point to make this season, um, which surprised me. I mean, I, I thought Pellegrini would struggle for a bit of authority this season after all the Guardiola rumours um, in the summer. But they've really come out of the traps and, and Chelsea just couldn't handle it. Um, I think on the other side... Um, Chelsea look like they're slipping the other way, don't they? Um, Mourinho's been getting his mind games out far earlier than he usually does. Um, any opportunity trying to have a pop at Wenger, forget about the whole medical thing as well. It just seems like he knows that Chelsea haven't been ready for the for the first couple of games of the season for a little while. Um, and, and you get the thing, I don't think... I think we, we've seen a lot of the bookies like cashing in City, City now being made favourites for the title. I think that's pretty premature. Um, but but there's certainly a lot of work for Chelsea to do. And you'd think if they don't get a big signing in or at least a striker, um, you'd wonder, because it doesn't strike you as very Mourinho-like. It'd always be a manager to get a, keep players on their toes, get the new big name in and keep things pushing over. But it, it seems a bit stale the first couple of games. Um, now, there's obviously a long way to go. But um, yeah, certainly you give give um, give give City some credit because they, they've certainly surprised me. I don't know if that's any barometer for how well a team is doing, but um, I, I wasn't expecting them to start the season um, in the style certainly that they have done. I'd like to shoot you down a little bit. Uh, City won the last six games of last season. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely flying. Hardly conceded a goal. <laughs> yeah, Scoring but they still finished what? Well, they finished eight, po- eight points off Chelsea. Yeah, still. exactly. And that, that tells you how poor they were for the rest of it. But yeah, I suppose like they they kind of managed to do what Arsenal don't, which is have an absolute class end of the season, <laughs> and then just tail off badly. They obviously kept it going as well. Your point about Chelsea, I think that's a good point about Mourinho from a very early early doors knew they were struggling. He was having a pop at Pellegrini for no reason as well, or Pellegrino, as he calls them, uh, in pre-season. And when I was criticising Arsenal last week about their pre-season, jetting off all over the world, Chelsea are the worst, the worst actually, because Chelsea didn't actually do any pre-season training in the UK. Obviously, they did before, you know, the, the, the fixtures. But it wasn't like most clubs who will have players report back to pre-season. They'll work for a week or two, then jet off. Chelsea's first day of pre-season training was something like... I don't know, the start of July sometime. And the next day they flew to Canada to start a series of matches across the globe. That's not pre-season. Uh, you've also got, Mike, what do you think about this, uh, the Fabregas question? A lot of people are saying, says Fabregas, he seems to have been moved further and further back. He's playing in a 4-2-3-1 alongside Matic now. Waste of space? Would, would Chelsea not be better playing someone like Ramirez or John Obi Mikel there? Or even Kurt Zuma to allow the the front far, front four players to really attack because Fabregas is no defensive midfielder. Well, I agree with that I, point, I, I, but definitely not Mikel. Mikel's awful. I've well, go on, Mike. Well, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't he like at the beginning of last season where he's making all those assists? He was playing fair. He wasn't. He wasn't playing the number ten role that he played at Barcelona a lot, was he? In that in that kind of front three and behind a striker, he was he was pretty much playing alongside Matic. Or we're hearing all season was. Was how how Matic lets him gives him that space to play, and he and he and he came from deep and made all that you know that record number of assists. So um, I don't think the position that he's playing um, is necessarily a difference. Um, I I think I think possibly Matic hasn't 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 looked as uh, as assured, but I think all over the pitch Chelsea they, they just look undercooked. They're not they're not pushing teams back. They haven't they don't seem to have that snap. Um, going forward, whether it be out wide, um, the fullbacks don't look sharp. Um, they're getting isolated quite a lot. 
um, which was uh, an interesting point someone made. I can't remember where I read it, but um, someone was talking about the, the John Terry um, substitution and Mourinho saying it was because, you know, we're, we're pushing pushing that high line and he doesn't have the pace um, we need Zuma on. And uh, if you think back, that's exactly what um, AVB said a few years ago when he was uh, when he was trying to get Terry out of the Chelsea team. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out in the long term. Um, but I just think all over the pitch, they don't seem to have that spark, that that snap on the heels. I think they were fairly lucky in the first game against Swansea um, as well. Um, but they they don't have that that control, um, certainly in the middle of the park. Um, but all over the place, they, they seem just half a yard off it. I'll make two points before putting this to the lads. One, I think I think Chelsea's been worked out, especially away from home. You play narrow, force them to go wide to Ivanovic and Azpilicueta, and yes, Kostic can head a ball, but quite often your, your two centre-backs have only got him to manage in the box to head. And often, they'll, you know, um, Ivanovic can cross a ball, but the two full-backs will cut back inside and, you know... Uh, get Hazard out wide where he's least effective far away from the goal I just think they're quite easy to defend against a one dimensional before I throw it open to the lads the start of the week this week who was the last reigning Premier League champion, champion to pick up only one point from their first two games Blackburn, Blackburn. Was Manchester United in 2007-2008 anyone know how that season planned out for them no 07-08 oh, was that when they got fourth Won the league and the Champions League. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so not, not too much worry about your Chelsea. <laughs> oh, was that the Moscow? Yeah. Um, Lars, any, anything to expand on what Mike said? I, I mean, I just you, you said my point. I said it on the pre, the preview to the season. I said I thought they might struggle the fact that they hadn't really brought anyone in, and the way they're playing, it's as if they, they realise they've just got one superstar and a Tazard. They just get the ball to him at every opportunity and just wait for him to do something. Costa was poor. He was looking. He looked more like he was up for a fight than he was playing for the ball. And he look, he's looked like that last two games. Always it's Aguero, isn't it? Yeah, he just he just wants to like have physical contact with people. And you, even the, I mean, it was a terrible sort of to say the the elbow that he received where he got a nasty cut. Yeah, it was bad. That's... Um, that was bad. A bad uh, challenge. But <laughs> you don't come storming back on the pitch like and go straight for the bloke while the ref's looking at you, knowing like he, you. Knowing what type of character you are, the ref straight away would have been thinking, "Hang on a minute, what's going on here?" And then he chased him down the um, yeah, the, the tunnel. tunnel. It's just he's he's an absolute nutcase. He's I would say he's worse than uh, Mitrovic at this stage. Is a bigger liability to get himself sent off. Uh, at least he scores he's, a few though. We yeah, don't know well, that yeah. He, he hasn't scored yet, has he? All right, I'll take it back. Right. It's a total unknown quantity. Shall we park there? Anyone else got anything to say? Yeah, about yeah I think. Um, I think what you're saying about pre-season is right and it's I don't get why they're doing it I, I mean obviously there, there's got to be serious money in it for these teams to be going around particularly going to like Asia and playing these like massive massive games I say with quotation marks against Real Madrid well, the, the cost of the tickets is ridiculous and you're getting 100,000 seat stadiums or whatever playing I like how yeah. big that was Mickey going to like Asia, <laughs> it's a massive continent. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean. So obviously, there's the draw of getting this money in. But if it's putting you, yeah, if you if it's putting you way behind where you should be for a preseason, surely, particularly someone like Mourinho, who's I'm a stickler for doing everything right, should, should would just be like, you can start off with that plan. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Hereford away on a Tuesday night. Yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't mentioned it because that's the sort of thing you'd be straight out as a well. It's ridiculous what happened. Yeah. All this, this, and this. They played a home friendly against Fiorentina, which was very odd for one of the big clubs like that. And playing a home friendly, that's not a testimonial. And you kind of think that was Mourinho's like, right, well, I won a game at home against a proper opposition. And they got yeah. beat as well, they lost 1 0. Actually got booed off. But do you not, do you not feel that he, he doesn't want to kick off really this time with Abramovich? He, know, he knows what happened last time. He ended up on his way out and he, he's made a lot of noise about wanting to stay at a club, certainly like, wanting to stay at Chelsea and, and create a legacy. So do you not think he's picking his fights a bit now? He knows he can't really take on Abram- Abramovich as much. So he's, he's just taking on the physios. <laughs> yeah. That's the only fight he can win at the minute. Definitely. And um, if you look at the fact that Chelsea are... Extending the statement with sixty six thousand, is it? Are they? And they're moving away from Stamford Bridge for three years to do it. It's I suppose. No, that where they're good. They're, they're, they're redeveloping Stamford Bridge. Oh, about Twickenham, about Twickenham, and Twickenham and Wembley. The usuals like ground share with Spurs has been mooted, <laughs> which you know wouldn't go down well. Um, Olympic Stadium, 
all that kind of stuff. If it, all of the plans that have been announced, Newcastle will have the eighth biggest attendance. Remember yeah. that? And within six, seven years, eighth biggest attendance. Lads, I can't believe Man City, by the way, have just spent all that money on a stand which they can't fill out. Yeah. What, Did they, they play that? even full yesterday? It was full yesterday. But, but we, what, we, for, when, for I, when I went to Man City last year, tickets were ten and five pounds, even for away fans, and there was still like five or six thousand empty seats. Yeah, they just want to be able to sell. I paid forty-two the season before. Like, <laughs> it was a league game, mind. So I believe you have a game for us before um, we move on to Leicester, and Mike's going to chat us a bit about them. Yeah, then our infamous size game. Just uh, slightly more awards have been won for this than a Doggers game. What st- stupidest category? Like Razzies. Like, what's t- that? What's like that rubbish? Changing, changing the rules halfway through. You played for England under twenty ones with this I player. Did, I didn't get it this week. You must have changed the rules. <laughs> oh, well, then game side. Uh, yeah. Um, in classic format, I'm going to give you a list of players that have played alongside this player with a Newcastle connection. Um, I'm going to do it in order to help you out because it's a bit of a tricky one. So they played with these players in this order. So I'll start off with Shirley Ramiobi. Okay. Classic. Next. Nobby Solano. <laughs> at Newcastle. I'll give you at Newcastle. Keep going. And the third one, Steve Stone. Steve Stone? Stone. Steve Stone. Where the hell do you play with Steve Stone? Evan? Leicester? That'd be too much. Luar Luar? He's got it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pompey. Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to think where Stone had Fair played. play, Mike. You're doing well this season on the games, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we are still keeping a tally, aren't we? I take it. Yeah, I take it. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mike, you're <laughs> <not> good. <laughs> he says sat there taking no tally. <laughs> <laughs> the next one was Didier Domi at Olympiacos. Really? Yeah. Stone oh, went at Olympiacos. No, not Steve Stone. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Steve say, oh. Stone at the age oh, of like 40. That's why I was so surprised. <laughs> Did you know that Olympiacos play all of their wages in US dollars? Why? Because of the Greek economic crisis. Oh, yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Who won your game? Sorry. Oh, we'll start so the we'll tally now. We'll give one point to guest then. <laughs> yeah, one point to guest. <laughs> to season ticket list. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, you've had a week, two weeks to think of these gags. Yeah, they're going to be coming all season. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the the definition of the True Faith Weekly podcast is for four se- lads uh, with season tickets to give their views on all things any I've seen Premier League. Well, I haven't missed a home game yet this season. So. <laughs> Mike, Leicester City Football Club and Claudio Ranieri. The Tinker Man. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you've kind of come across. Is Ranieri doing anything different or is this all a Nigel Pearson's hard work going down the pan for Pearson, not for Leicester? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah I think, well, I think that's the thing. He said everyone seems absolutely desperate for the first change he makes to bring out the Tinker Man tag again. But I think the main secret for uh, for the start of the season is that they just kept the same, pretty much the same team as last season. They've brought in a few players, but the only new signing he's uh, he's actually been starting has been uh, Okazaki, um, Japanese lad up front. He's looked really sharp actually. Um, but I mean, since talking of. Man City uh, a minute ago finishing last season on fire since April there's not a team in the Premier League that's won more points than Leicester which is uh, is pretty nuts and they, they've just kept exactly that same team they got pace and a real hunger when on the break the, the, you know the likes of Albright and Mares Vardy so sharp just running out teams um, I mean granted they played Sunderland and then West Ham away where <laughs> I think Billich said in uh, after the game Alluded to the fact that it's a lot easier for West Ham to play away from home because of their because of their crowd and how quickly they got in their backs. So um, it's been a kind start for him, but I think the key for for Ranieri will be be, be you know how long he can keep that 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 same team together because they're just clearly they clearly bonded um, last season from that great run they had at the end of the year. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just kept it going. To be fair to him, it, it must be easy for a new manager to come in and, and try and stamp their own mark on it and, and bring new players in and, and change the system. But they, they've kept to it, and it's um, it, it's worked for them so far. What I like about Leicester, they, they just never ever look like conceding from a set piece. They're just so well drilled and organised. I know it's not a lot about a team, but if you look at Newcastle, who can't stop conceding from crosses and set pieces. Everyone on that Leicester team knows their job. I've done. I've been doing a little bit of research. I've got me stats. Um, well, Leicester have won first of the, the for the um, 
for the first time in their Premier League history, have won five of the last six Premier League games. It's the first time they've won the opening two Premier League games of a season since 97-98, when O'Neill brought them up for the first time in the Premier League. Oh, was it the second time? Anyway, um, the the next four games are Spurs at home, Bournemouth away, Vial at home, and Stoke away. There's yeah, they got a great run of there. There are points there. Points You'll to be, be running away with the league at this yeah. rate. It's Christmas. <laughs> um, so that it just all seems rosy in the Leicester Garden. Uh, Ranieri <laughs> cracked me up a little bit over the weekend uh, when on Sky Sports News after the game uh, they were like oh you're thinking about Champions League and he went our aim is just to get the 30 points we just need 36 more <laughs> not great maths that Claudio <laughs> with 6 points on the board um, and it just I kind of had a little bit a look through the blogs and the forums of Leicester fans and I've tried to like you say Mike they've really just continued where they left off and Ranieri kind of not like everyone expected has kept things the same tactically team selection-wise. Um, a lot of Leicester fans are kind of really... What they're most pleased about is is Ranieri's like, friendly, understated nature. The fact that he, he's not constantly picking a fight with the media. He's not constantly getting people's backs up. He's just he, the opposite. He's, he's just a nice bloke. And a lot of, a lot of Leicester fans felt, felt like that team was persecuted last season by the media, especially when they were doing badly about being, you know, maybe be an unfair characterisation of the way they played football and some of the results and stuff like that but the thought that was down to Pearson basically just Jonah was absolutely buzzing to stick the boot in um, so it's, it's nice I, I suppose there seems to be like a nice balance between positivity and they're also quite aware that um, you know tough times are ahead but you, you know you've got, you've got to give them a lot of credit and also you've got to give the owners a lot of credit for going for, for, for Ranieri I mean everyone thought it was ridiculous yeah I still I, I, I still kind of think it's a, it's a gamble bringing him in I know he's had he knows he's had a good start and it's even sensible like but the the two, they've had two pretty easy games um and I, I still I still think it's a it's a it's an odd appointment he's not done a lot for a, for a fair few years I mean the, <laughs> the 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 Greece tenure four games um was was an absolute absolute nightmare um and it's it's been about 10 15 years since he's you know really had decent success um so I, I still think it's a gamble um, to be perfectly honest, and, and time will tell how well that works out. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, Dodgy. I, I don't think it's a, it's necessarily the great appointment that it looks like at the moment. Hey, Leicester. I mean, survival. Seventeenth for Leicester will represent success. Seventeenth mm-hmm. represents success to a lot of clubs with an, another massive bumper TV deal coming in from next season. But I, I think what Leicester will be fine this season. I've revised my prediction already of them going down. Because they're, they're just they're going to create chances all season, all season with those players, they will create chances. Yep. and You've got a great yep. chance of staying up. Sorry. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, I was about to say what Mike said was they've had two very easy games, and the Macombs were an absolute disgrace last week. <laughs> and West Ham just gifted them a couple of air. Uh, they were bad goals, but I mean, by all accounts, Casper Michaels had a very good game. West Ham were in it. Well, it should have been set off. He should have been set off. A clothesline on that lad. He literally just sticks his arm out and wipes him out, and he would have scored. I don't understand how the rest missed that, and then he's. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Adrian was all, was a definitely a red card as well. But how how funny was that, by the way, to see the keeper getting sent off at the other end of the pitch, just like a normal play? Absolutely cracked me up. He didn't realise where he was, and suddenly realised he'd studded the lad in the chest, and was like, "Oh, it's the sort of move you'd expect to see in like by Kane or someone in the WWE, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like giant boots to the face, so clumsy, yeah. like so Nintendo as well. He looked so confused about what he'd done." <laughs> But yeah, by all accounts, they got a little bit lucky, I think. I, I was half expecting like uh, Jim Ross to come like, Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> there'll, there'll be an RKO video. Any, yeah. any no, I think they got a bit lucky against West Ham and like I say, the Magnums were so bad. We should probably shouldn't get too carried away that Ranieri's performing any kind of miracles. I, I think they were just on the point you were saying there like about creating the chances. The work, that was one of the, the positives they were taking out of the nightmare of a start they had last season. I mean, everyone had them written off going down because they just couldn't finish. But they always created a lot of chances because I think the likes of like Vardy just worked. I mean, that's they're the epitome of what I was saying about us is in that that they they don't they maybe have, don't have the ability, but they, they just work the socks off all of them. And Mares, that schlup who's got loads of pace, it's not certainly been getting at the minute. But uh, Vardy, they, they all just look really good players that they they get everything out in the game because they work hard and they put players under pressure. I, I just think I, I think they'll they'll be safe this yeah, season. They use the ball well. They they only had thirty percent possession. You know, West Ham had loads of the ball. They only yeah. had thirty percent possession yeah. for the whole game. Yeah, 
But but they just made their chances and made them count. That's 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 how you stay in the league. That's how you get six points against shit teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would we would throw points away. If you yeah, put if you put shit teams under enough pressure, they will buckle. Like. Yeah, yeah. Lads, uh, Mickey has a very special potential final <laughs> last game coming, but we're gonna we're gonna do that last of all. Mike, uh, finally on the Premier League from you. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you actually selected this week as a topic, uh, Everton and Everton fans, most precisely? Yeah, it was, it was yet another result that actually surprised me. I saw, I watched most of the game. Um, not, not me, Mike. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> they were excellent, to be fair, um, and and most of all, um, Barkley. I've been quite a critic of Ross Barkley for for quite a while, really, but mainly because of when he. You know, when he releases a ball, I always feel he holds onto it far too long. Um, but against Southampton, I thought he was excellent. He, he drove them his distribution and Lukaku. Um, talking about uh, having a good pre-season, though, Lukaku's come out and said uh, last season I was playing catch-up for six months because I didn't have a pre-season. Um, he seems to have, have hit the ground running. Um, and, and it was a fantastic performance from what I saw. Um, but, yeah, more to the point, it was another one of those bloody planes being flown over the ground beforehand the golden uh, age uh, for the folks <laughs> in that business oh yeah I cannot, cannot believe they're like it's such an archaic way of doing things what they want to do rather than pay like two and a half grand for that you get these little bluetooth boxes where if you go to an area it sends everyone who's got bluetooth on their phone <laughs> a message yeah want, pay oh, me mate, I'll sort it out for them this, and then a bloody plane this is Liverpool mate they're, they've got like not your 42 tons or something <laughs> controversial but, but anyway uh, go on we'll, we'll distance <laughs> ourselves now comment and uh <laughs> But um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one. I think this uh, the whole Ken Wright out um, movement. Cause it, it it seems to me like it, it's one of those things that the game's moved on. Um, a lot of the um, the movement is looking at you know Everton being potentially overtaken by teams the likes of Swansea's and, and Stokes and 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 the and the light in Southampton um, and they, they put a lot set a lot of stall on their history as a club. Um, and they don't want to be left behind. But I think if you look at back when they had their main success in, in the likes of the 80s, the, the game is completely different. I mean, teams like the likes of Chelsea and Man City, who were traditionally like 10, 15, 15 20 years ago, have been you know in the same bracket or even below Everton um, in, in terms of big clubs, are now, are now in a completely different league. Um, I think under Moyes, they performed above expectations for, for a fair few years. Uh, I think it's just one of those where... You, you look at it and you've got to be realistic. Um, there are going to be seasons when you're not going to have a great time, like the, the UEFA Cup curse, like <laughs> as ever, hitting them last season. Um, they could well have a better season this season, finish top eight. Um, but if you, if you look at like, the likes of, uh, of Villa and teams of a, of a similar kind of stature to Everton, and they're asking for this money to be pumped in. Randy Lerner tried this and pumped all the money in and still couldn't break into that top four. And it just sacked it off. Just sacked you can off. cut that mate out there, mate. <laughs> 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 but I, I just think, you know, aside from obviously uh, the, 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 Villa, the, the Villa feelings on the pod, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a point worth bearing in mind, uh, it, you know, being realistic about what, you, what your club can necessarily achieve in long term now. Because I think the amount of money in the Premier League the the Everton situation now and, and the fans getting a bit annoyed with with uh, you know wanting the board out it's kind of symptomatic of 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 how much money there is for every team in the Premier League so it, it it's just like it's so important to stay in the Premier League but then it's also at the same time difficult to progress as a club because there are four or five teams at the top with so much money that that you you know you're not going to break in certainly not consistently year after year um, so I I think it. it it, it, it's hard to sometimes you just have to look at it and think well realistically um, it, it's going to take something outrageous for us to, to, to long term you know break into into the top four or or have a, have a consistently you know strong season season after season I just don't think that's going to happen nowadays it's like 80% of fans want Ken right out and then it's like yeah well I don't know how representative that is but Looking at uh, looking at the message boards and stuff, uh, you know, a fair few a fair few fans, lo- you know, will laugh that out of town. And he still clearly has fans that, that will back him. But I, I think it's a decent point for me that it's he's kind of because he is a, a an Everton fan. He's desperate. He, he's kind of being blinkered by it and will want to just hang on for it for his own sake, um, whether that be consciously or not. Um, but I, I just think it's a gamble. 
um, you think of the money coming to the to the to the Premier League. It's always it is always a gamble, like how that would go. Everton fans pride pride themselves on their history, and that could quite easily go out the window if they let someone else come in for the for, for the big money. And that you know, aside from the big the likes of Man City and Chelsea, there there are plenty of examples of teams where it's not worked out um, when people have come with big money. So it it's not necessarily the silver bullet. Um, if someone comes in, it could could easily go go the other way. Um, but I guess that's the gamble you take if you if you wanna if you wanna go beyond just kind of being up and down season after season. Um, you you know you, you you've got to take the money because that, that's the only way to do it. Um, and Ken Wright claims he's been trying to sell the club for sixteen years. Now uh, that doesn't really ring true, as you say. <laughs> a, a, a Premier League club uh, never been relegated. Got that history. Sixteen years. I'm sure some would have uh, would have taken him up on the offer. So. Um, it's uh, it, it it would be a gamble either way, but um, uh, I suppose you never know until you try, dear. Hello, this is Alex or Dogger, as the lads call me. I don't know if those of you listening to Mike's monologue about Everton there thought something was up, but we had a few recording issues at the end of the show, so we were actually interjecting quite regularly, having our say, uh, and that got cut off. Probably quite fortunate. Uh, most of you listen probably think. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Uh, obviously, I can't thank the lads because I'm recording this uh, after they've gone. Uh, we'll be back, as ever, Friday, Radio Northumberland. Please tune in live. Um, it's online, so you can listen anywhere in the world. But 7 till 8 p.m. Uh, UK time. We'll look ahead to the man you go and hope. We're hoping to have an interview with a journalist on this week, a local Northeast journalist. Uh, it's also made available as a podcast, I'm sure most of you know. Martin Hardy interview still available to listen to on iTunes and SoundCloud. Fantastic interview with a great bloke uh, about an absolutely fantastic book. That's just my class there in the background. Shut up. Shut up and recording podcast. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next Monday after the defeat at Man United. And thanks again for listening.